you're disrespecting my Christian nationalist viewpoint here. So yeah. parrot these phrases so that I can congratulate myself for forcing you into conformity. How fucked up does something have to be when an organization that aligns with hate groups has to distance itself from you and apologize for ever giving you the mic? Well, they have to have some way of gutting marriage equality, don't they? So if you're same-sex, interracial, interfaith, or if one person is trans, the town clerk doesn't have to sign it if he or she really feels that they think it's icky. And honestly, I don't know what the answer or solution is. Yeah. Because if you kick the hornet's nest, that's precisely what's going to happen. It's going to go to the Supreme Court and the bigoted right-wing assholes that sit on that kangaroo court are going to pander to these people yeah. and tell them, oh no, it's perfectly okay because Jesus. Welcome to Unbound. A podcast for new atheists. And lifetime atheists. Ex-evangelicals truth seekers and free thinkers there is life after faith and life here is good it's time for a new perspective and a better conversation i'm spider and i'm shell and it's time to get unbound i have a clear and definitive message for every subject in today's episode back the fuck off I wish I could say who gives you the right to do these things, treat people this way, etc. But I already know the answer. Local governments give them the right. Rabid white evangelicals who control massive legal assistance bodies give them the right. Unchecked bigotry in public offices gives them the right. And if these things are allowed to just keep happening, well, that's precisely what's going to happen. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And my apologies for starting off on such a negative footing, but there's really no way to get past the infuriating nature of the stories we have for you this week. We cannot let evangelical hate propagate unabated and unchallenged, and this is why we're here, to be one more voice crying in the wilderness and telling these idiots that what they're doing is not okay. Before we get into the heavier part of this episode, just a quick follow-up. Josh Butler, the star of last week's show and author of Beautiful Union, a book that brazenly parallels Christ's relationship to his church with sexual intercourse and contains more innuendo-laced metaphors than an E.L. James novel, was fired. Well, no, he wasn't fired. This is an evangelical pastor, so he wasn't fired. He voluntarily resigned his position after the publisher of his book and the organization that employed him, the Gospel Coalition, which incidentally is a group in cahoots with the Alliance Defending Freedom, and we've discussed them before. They're an SPLC-recognized hate group. Anyway, they figured out that it's sort of kind of necessary to vet and, I don't know, actually read the shit they decide to reprint before the crazy rubs off on them. <laughs> Here's as much of their statement that I care to push from my lips. This is what they said about the whole thing. Earlier this week, we accepted Josh's resignation as a Keller Center fellow. He will no longer lead an online cohort with the center nor speak at TGC 23. While he will no longer participate in these events, Josh remains a beloved brother and friend whom we respect and care deeply about. So you know that what he had to say was batshit and that you printed it anyway. And now you're apologizing for it, but also still describing this guy as someone that you respect and care deeply about. 
Okay, moving on to our fellows and our readers. Please forgive us. The Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics is a new effort by the TGC, and we're still learning how to work with our directors and our fellows to produce content that will serve our readers in a way that is trusted and wise. To ensure greater accountability with our fellows, we will develop better review systems for our work together. We will also review our publication processes more broadly at TGC and develop plans to ensure greater accountability to you, our readers. Translation, yeah, we didn't even bother reading it before we plastered it on our website. <laughs> now I ask you, how fucked up does something have to be when an organization that aligns with hate groups has to distance itself from you and apologize for ever giving you the mic? Think about it. That's my contribution to today's episode. Now it's time to turn things over to Shell, who has sourced four more stories of evangelicals who just can't seem to live and let live or keep their twisted beliefs out of public space. And I'll say it again, even if you want to argue that Jesus was real, and some atheists do for reasons I cannot wrap my brain around, some of them do, even if he was, you can't get around the fact that he never, ever, ever preached a gospel of forced conformity. He believed his message was compelling enough to win over the masses. But what happens when you aren't compelled to fit your life into other people's molds? Well, you have all this happen to you. Ham-handed self-promotion, demolishing safe spaces, and two stories of disruption of personal liberty make up this week's roundup of evangelical fuckery that I'm dubbing Christians Behaving Badly. It's my life edition. <laughs> Okay, I'm almost afraid to say it, but Shell, what have you got for us this week? <laughs> well, once again, the Ark Encounter is getting Kentucky into trouble, this time with the Tourism Board. They're releasing ads on Facebook and descriptions on their websites and elsewhere that go something like this. The largest timber frame structure is 510 feet long, seven stories high, and is an exact replica of Noah's Ark according to the book of Genesis. This beautiful piece of architecture is filled with state-of-the-art exhibitions to tell the true story of Noah and the Flood. The Ark Encounter is a sure way to provide your guests with an experience they will never forget. The Ark is large enough to fit thousands of visitors as they witness the dozens of exhibits, including animals, Noah's family, and the flood. Wow. Small overnight stays can be arranged at the Ark Encounter for a truly immersive experience. There is so much wrong with us. Yes. And you've already gotten in your notes what, so I won't steal your thunder, but oh my God, just listening to that. Is, it's yeah. like, how on earth did they get away with this? And not just once, in multiple sources, yeah. they got away with describing their attraction this way. However, since the flood never actually happened, you can't have a replica of the Ark, exact or otherwise. This isn't the first time the Northern Kentucky Convention and Visitors Bureau has gotten into trouble with language promoting conservative Christian views. In 2007, they described the Creationist Museum as a place meant to counter evolutionary natural history museums that turn countless minds against Christ and scripture. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah. The language was changed after complaints were received. It sounds like they copied and pasted descriptions directly from the Answers in Genesis website. They could have. 
or from any one of his books. Yeah, that's incredibly lazy. By not accurately describing the places, they failed to do their job. Instead of promoting the attractions, they were promoting a fundamentalist Christian view of the world that is incompatible with reality. They sent a message that people who visited actual museums were somehow anti-Christian. Well, in my case, I guess they'd be right. But not yeah. everybody who visits a museum is anti-Christian. I'm pretty sure a few Christians go to museums every single day. Yes, the ones that actually acknowledge reality. Yeah, well, whether they do or not, that's kind of a broad brush statement, and it kind of slaps your target demo in the face just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah. A local retired scientist, Dan Phelps, who has been a watchdog for all things Answers in Genesis, has alerted the Bureau to the problem. And not only is the language a problem, but the fact that both the Creationist Museum and the Ark Encounter are both firmly anti-LGBTQ. Employees who work there aren't even allowed to acknowledge trans people exist. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The Northern Kentucky Convention and Visitors Bureau, however, is not anti-LGBTQ. They are also affiliated with two other associations that are accepting of LGBTQ people and causes. At the bottom of their website, they proudly boast of their affiliations with Destinations International, a trade group for destination marketing and management professionals, which has an equity, diversity, and inclusion initiative, and IGLTA, the International LGBTQ Travel Association. Dan Phelps also points this out in his letter to the Bureau. The imprimatur of these organizations is surprising considering the positions held by AIG, a religious ministry that owns both the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. I would like to hear how, in light of AIG's positions, this approval is given to the NKCVB. I can understand that they are doing some advertising for the Creation Museum and Ark since they are local attractions. I do not understand how Destinations International DEI Diversity and the International LGBTQ Travel Association can possibly support this in light of AIG's horribly bigoted views. Nice that Ken Ham barely has to do any advertising. People will just do it. For him. Yes, but to what end? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not sure this is the kind of advertising that I would want. No. But the problem is that it does keep these things in the public eye, and it raises just as much curiosity as it does ire. Yeah. And that's a problem. And it looks like the, uh, the LGBTQ hate continues in mm. our next story. Yes, it does. First off, I want to apologize to the people of Canada. Due to the proximity of our country to yours, you have caught the Christian crazies. Here's the basic proof. Parents near Toronto interrupted a meeting of the York Catholic District School Board because there were fears that the teachers were harming their students with having safe space rainbow flag stickers. Oh no, not stickers. Not stickers. Not stickers. These have been around for a literal decade. They became a point of contention after teachers in York began posting them in their classrooms earlier this year, mostly to replace older ones that had worn down over time. The signs, of course, are intended to let LGBTQ students know they're welcome and loved in the school. 
Of course, Catholic tradition still says that gay relationships are a sin, but at least they're not coming against gay people just for being gay. And even though the Vatican has come out saying trans people are against nature, their colors still appear to the left of the sticker. Catholic laity in general have been known to be far more tolerant than the leadership of the Catholic Church, which is to say these safe space stickers are meaningful. They let students in Catholic schools know that even if the Vatican and their families won't accept them, some adults in their schools do. But of course, some parents were up in arms about these stickers, which again, have been around for a decade and decided to disrupt the school board meeting so badly that the police had to be called. There's more of that Christian love. Mm. Carlo Ravenna, one of the parents, spoke directly to the board about the stickers in a pre-approved deputation. They shouldn't say safe space. They should say danger zone, he oh, said at the brother. meeting. Preaching confusion in the guise of inclusivity and acceptance is truly disgusting. Cherie Di Vittorio, another parent who made a virtual deputation, told the board, Catholic schools should not allow transgender or LGBT students to attend. It is most certainly not appropriate to engage kids to be open about these ideologies. There are biblical reasons why homosexuality is considered a sin, regardless of what Pope Francis may think, she said. I thought he was supposed to be like the last word. Well, here's the thing. Now, number one, I find it really interesting that we're talking about Catholics and not evangelicals. But one thing that I can tell you about Catholics, because that's where I started. One thing that I can tell you about the average Catholic is that they are Catholic in the way that a lot of Jews are Jews. It's a cultural thing mm -hmm. and not as much of a spiritual thing. There are plenty of Catholics out there that will identify as Catholic until the day they die, but will always have their either quiet or vocal disagreements with the church, even with the pontiff himself. Yeah. They're going to have their disagreements, and some of them at least have the balls to express those disagreements. My grandmother was dyed-in-the-wool Catholic, but there were plenty of things that she basically just disregarded and said that she had learned how to uh, how to separate the meat from the bones when it came to what she was going to believe. And, you know, not getting into a whole lot of specifics, but I saw this multiple times when I was growing up where I knew that there were things that she believed in and that she did that were definitely counter to Catholic doctrine. But just like in any other flavor of Christianity, my own grandmother separated the parts that suited her needs and followed them. And that's what a lot of modern Catholics do, especially ones that grew up during Vatican II. Mm -hmm. They have a much more liberal view of things than even more recent Catholics, especially the ones that, that were upset when, uh, when Pope Benedict stepped down. Yeah. There are plenty of Catholics out there that have a much, much more practical view of things and a much more accepting view of things when it comes to other people. They understand the concept of live and let live way better than the average evangelical. But just like in any sect of any religion, there are extremists. So what we're seeing here is a small group of extremists who are making a mountain out of a molehill with yeah. this. This sounds like something that's been going on in Catholic schools for a long time. It's just that right now it got the attention of someone who's going to squawk about it. And just like with any extremist group, their voices are more amplified. So it seems like there's more of them. Yeah. But I can tell you that this is atypical 
of a lot of Catholic communities. Oh, yeah. Very, very atypical. That doesn't make it any better. They're still aligned with one of the most nefarious organizations on the planet. Yeah. But on an individual level, there's more practicality with a lot of them. They understand that this is their cultural heritage, but that they can also think for themselves. Right. Ravenna proudly spread lies about LGBTQ people while claiming with no evidence that kids weren't being properly educated. Di Vittorio complained that if kids learn anything about gay people, they might think being gay is okay. Which it is. Just pure hate in the name of faith. The audience's shouts of shame and calling for board members to resign came afterwards, which led to a short recess during the meeting and led the police to take action when the meeting couldn't get back to order. There's the good old bandwagon effect. Mm-hmm. One teacher said they need to understand that this is Ontario, this is Canada, that there are certain basic human rights that students have. This is a public school board. It may have the word Catholic in it, and that includes certain privileges, but it does not include the right to treat students so wrongly. Of course, the school board aren't precisely heroes. They released a statement after this event saying that they don't endorse the stickers. They merely allow them. That, that to me, isn't terribly problematic. No. Because they are taking a neutral stance. Right. And honestly, I think that's what they need to do. Right. No, they're not precisely heroes, but they're not siding with the villains either. Yeah. So there is that. Yeah, it's not exactly a profile of courage for a school board to say they want to ensure the well-being of students because they have a legal obligation to do so. But when it comes to the Catholic Church, mere tolerance is sometimes the best you can hope for. Yes, and it also is one of the more disarming ways that you can deal with something like this. Yeah. Instead of polarizing the situation further, you take a neutral stance and say, look, this is what it is. And just leave it at that. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. And on the heels of more LGBTQ hate, well, let's take a jab at marriage equality and this idiotic notion that public servants can maintain their private views and fuck with somebody's life in the process. Yeah. You know, it must be really easy to have a job when you're a bigoted Christian. You can just not do any task that you don't have a strongly held belief that you should do. In Tennessee, a bill that has just passed the state house reads, a person shall not be required to solemnize a marriage if the person has an objection to solemnizing the marriage based on the person's conscience or religious beliefs. Well, they have to have some way of gutting marriage equality, don't they? So if you're same-sex, interracial, interfaith, or if one person is trans, the town clerk doesn't have to sign it if he or she really feels that they think it's icky. So they can just deny people the paperwork they need to get legally married. That's just great. Oh, isn't it, though? Yeah. I can see something like this going to the Supreme Court yeah. again and knocking any semblance of victory that we've had over this issue in the last 50 years oh, back yeah. into the dark ages. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And honestly, I don't know what the answer or solution is to something like this. Yeah. Because if you kick the hornet's nest, that's precisely what's going to happen. It's going to go to the Supreme Court and the bigoted right-wing assholes that sit on that kangaroo court are going to pander to these people yeah. and tell them, oh, no, it's perfectly okay because Jesus. Yeah. 
This bill in particular was sponsored by State Representative Monty Fritz, a self-described Christian constitutional conservative Republican who received an endorsement from the Christian Nationalist Patriot Church last year. Fritz, as expected, pretended this wasn't really about anti-gay bigotry when defending the bill. Instead, he claimed he was just trying to protect old people. Oh, really? When you look at some of the research that we have found on this, that young folks are trying to marry older folks to get to their financial accounts, Fritz said, I think there are other things we need to do. I'm wondering which research they're talking about. I guess banning the marriage of sugar babies to their sugar daddies is a great way to also punish gay people. Bigot logic is not our logic, I guess. No, it never has been. It never will be. Mm. All this is, is an effort to divert the conversation. Yes. That's it. They're trying to take the emphasis off of what the real problem is and try and focus in on this much, much smaller, much less pervasive problem. Right. Because, I mean, I'm very live and let live. So when there are age gaps between people, as long as everyone's over 18, they have their own decisions to make and they have their own lives to live. I'm not going to say that I advocate for it. I'm not going to say that I'm against it. I'm going to say if my position is live and let live, then it has to be consistent. And when it comes to the sugar daddy, sugar baby model, you know what? There's a part of me that thinks that it's a little ugh, but there's a part of me that also understands that as long as we're dealing with adults, it's none of my fucking business. Yeah. And there is that. There is that. It's bad enough when Christian pharmacists refuse to sell the day after pill or even birth control because of sincerely held beliefs, but county clerks are government agents and there should be no leeway for refusing to do their jobs. If Christian racists don't want to sign the marriage certificate of an interracial couple, then they should find a job at a church where that sort of bigotry is tolerated. County clerks shouldn't be given a green light to discriminate on a whim. No, they should not. The Human Rights Campaign has issued a statement saying in part, These bills are not about protecting children and they are not about religious freedom. They are about stripping away the basic human rights that LGBTQ people have fought for for over decades. Forcing LGBTQ plus people, particularly transgender and non-binary people, back in the closet and labeling us as dangerous. We urge the Tennessee Senate to reject these discriminatory, hateful bills. And they should, whether or not they will, remains to be seen. And uh, while we are trouncing on people's liberty, now we're going to take it back into the public schools and we're going to victimize underage people in the process. Of course. So here's our last lighthearted story for this episode. What have you got for us? Well, lastly, someone is taking the Pledge of Allegiance too damn seriously. A 15-year-old girl is suing her North Carolina school district, saying that she was physically assaulted by a teacher because she didn't stop to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, in North Carolina, schools are required to say the Pledge of Allegiance, but students are allowed to opt out without being penalized. So why this teacher decided to stop this girl and make her say the pledge is beyond me. Because she's an evangelical, see you next Tuesday, that's why. Yeah. That's that's what it boils down to. 
you're disrespecting my Christian nationalist viewpoint here. So yeah. stop what you're doing and parrot these phrases so that I can congratulate myself for forcing you into conformity. That's yeah. what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the event as described by Hemet Mehta on his Substack. According to the lawsuit, 15-year-old freshman Marissa Barnwell, a black girl who's an honor roll student. Oh, and she's black on top of everything else. Yeah. At River Bluff High School was walking to class on November 29th, 2022, her birthday coincidentally, when the pledge began playing over the school's intercom. Marissa wasn't even in a classroom, so it shouldn't have been an issue that she kept walking when the pledge came over the loudspeakers. Other students were walking too, she said, but she was the only one singled out by Nicole Livingston, a special education teacher. Was she the only one who was black? Yeah. I wonder. The school is like 73% white. Mm Mm-hmm. While Marissa was walking to her class, defendant Nicole Livingston violated Marissa's constitutional rights by yelling and demanding that she stop walking and physically assaulting her by pushing Marissa on the wall and forcefully touching her in an unwanted way without her consent so that she would stop walking in recognition of the Pledge of Allegiance and moment of silence that was announced at the conclusion of the pledge. Livingston then took Marissa to the principal's office. Principal Jacob Smith said he would review video footage but never pointed out that Marissa's actions were legal. He just offered her some food and sent her back to class. If he reviewed the footage, whatever he discovered hasn't been made public. The parents weren't even given a courtesy phone call by school officials. Not at the time and not since then. Because she's black, okay? It doesn't go any further than that. I'm sorry, it just does not. The actual video is on Hemet Mehta's uh, Substack article. So it's out there. It is out there. Marissa's parents, Final and Chavelle Barnwell, got a call from their daughter shortly after the incident when she was tearing up from what had just transpired. They were shocked to learn what had happened, and since that time, they've been demanding some measure of accountability from the school. That accountability never came, creating an unreasonable risk of harm to students. Livingston is still employed there, and there's no indication she was punished in any meaningful way. The school has not yet responded to the lawsuit, but California Senator Jared Huffman, who is openly humanist, has responded via Twitter. The Pledge of Allegiance is voluntary. People can choose to say it as I do, and they can choose to omit the McCarthy era under God adulteration as I do. But forcing a public school student to recite the pledge is unconstitutional and un-American. Also, while the reason Marissa doesn't say the pledge isn't relevant to the lawsuit, she justified it during the press conference, saying she stopped reciting it in third grade. She recognized that we don't actually have liberty and justice for all in the country, and she didn't want to recite any pledge that suggests otherwise. Smart kid. Smart kid. I mean, even a third grader being able to parse all of that and understand what's really going on. This is one very, very intelligent person who I hope the system doesn't rob of a good future. Yeah, me too. And that as Forrest Gump would say, is all I have to say about that. (laughs) You know, 
I could end things off today the way that I always do and talk about how we have the power to change all of this and yada, yada, yada. But you've heard all of my suggestions before. This week, I'm just going to say it like this. Live your life how you want. Don't pander to the religious right and their bigoted ways. Be the person that you are. Gay, straight, trans, whatever. Don't be a conformist. Don't make public professions of things that you don't believe in. And if you have enough of a brain in your head to realize just how fucked up thinking like what we see here in perpetuity is, push back. The positive side to all of this is that in every hate-fueled story we've compiled for you this week, there's the other side making the point that you can't force other people to think and behave the way that you do. And long before we go to the polls, long before we draft counter-legislation, long before we bring lawsuits, long before we launch countermeasures of any type to demonstrate the absurdities of these people's views, we can maintain our individuality. And it's important that we do. We can say no. And we can make it difficult for the bigotry and the hate to penetrate the lives we live and the thoughts we think. It's not just our right. It's our responsibility. And if we keep meeting those responsibilities, it will bring about the change that we keep advocating for and continue to advocate for. But the bigger and much more important effect is that it will keep steering society in a direction that takes the power out of the hands of those who think they can just hate society into compliance. And everything we do to remove that power on personal, societal, and governmental levels will lead to more people getting and staying unbound. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound. Unbound.